Welcome to The Art of Being a Mum, the podcast where we hear from mothers who are creators and artists, sharing their joys and issues around trying to be a mother and continue to make art. My name's Alison Newman. I'm a singer, songwriter and mother of two boys from regional South Australia. I have a passion for mental wellness and a background in early childhood education. Thank you for joining me. My guest today is Georgia Fields. Georgia is a singer, songwriter and arranger from Melbourne, Victoria and a mum of two children. Georgia's been recording and releasing music as an independent artist for over 10 years. In 2010, Georgia recorded her debut self-titled album. Her album, Georgia Fields, was awarded Album of the Week for ABC Radio National and Beat Magazine, and it saw her perform on national television on an episode of SBS's TV show, Rock Quiz. Since then, she has released Astral Debris in 2016 and Afloat Adrift in 2017, an EP captured live with the Andromeda String Quartet. Georgia's currently working on her next album, entitled Hirai, due for release in 2022. Amongst all this, Georgia has also founded and launched The Motherload, a community to support and connect working mums in the Australian music industry. This episode contains discussion around postnatal depression and anxiety. welcome you along today Georgia thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast and um, oh, yeah, thank you great to have you here thanks for having me yeah so I know a little bit about you I've um, been listening to your music for a little while um, but can you share what you do how you got into it and and all that kind of stuff sure well I'm I'm a singer-songwriter I guess that's my main um, bag um and I started, I started writing songs when I was a kid, but it took me a long time to have the guts to really pursue it um, professionally. So I, I started playing and really giving it a go when I was about 25, I think. Um, and so that was writing songs and performing them under my own name, Georgia Fields. Um, and so now I'm of course, uh, 26. No, I'm going to be 38 um, next week. Uh, so I've been doing it a little while now. Um, I also uh, write for strings from time to time, either for myself or for other artists, which is a lot of fun doing string arranging. Um, yeah, that's that. Uh, I, in terms of what kind of music I do, um, I tend to just say pop music because I feel like that kind of covers a lot of bases. But um, pop's a wide genre, so uh, delving deeper into that, I guess um, I tend to have. I play with a band, as I said, sometimes with strings, so um, more of a uh, an indie pop, um, modern folk type situation. I guess that sums me up. Yeah. So when you said you used to write when you were younger, um, did you ever do anything with it then? Did you ever sing it like concerts or perform your perform your music as a child? I didn't do, I didn't kind of work as a child thing. I did a few recording sessions um, for ads as a kid. Um, my uncle worked in that world, so occasionally they'd need some singers um, that sounded young or were kids. So I had done a little bit of that. Um, before I was familiar with studios, um, my uh, my uncle had both of my uncles had studios, and um, and my family are from the music world as well. So it was just something that was kind of modelled to me. I didn't perform really um, as a kid, um, thankfully, because I think that is a whole other um, can of worms. Yeah. Yeah, experiences. Other. Yeah, for sure. Um, so why did it take you till you were 24 to start sharing your music? I think I just um, 
thought I had to be perfect to get started probably. I'm just trying to examine that now. Like um, probably I heard someone say the problem, well, I think it was I probably read it on Instagram on an inspirational quote, but it was something like we compare our, our work in progress with other people's finished outputs, you know, like I think I was just looking at looking at the artists I admired and going, oh, well, what I'm doing here, what I'm working on isn't, isn't as good as that. Whereas, you know, you're kind of comparing your own bedroom works in progress with fully finished, fully supported artists that are signed to Sony and have massive, you know, so I think it was probably a bit yeah. of naivety and a bit of imposter syndrome. Um, but when I was, I was, I went overseas, I went around, around the world when, back when you could do that. And I was working in London and I remember someone I'd been working with. Um, oh, thank you. My husband just brought in a little snack for me. Thank you. Um, <laughs> what a sweetheart. Um, I was, I was, I was living, I was living in London. I was working in London and um one of the directors of the firm I was working at, I was just doing administration, forgot my name and I'd been working with them for setting up their breakfast meeting for a while, like a while now. And they called me sweetie. And I was like, he doesn't know my name. And it just was this moment of feeling really disrespected and feeling like I wasn't where I wanted to be. Um, And I just thought I have to, I just have to get back home to Melbourne and just get making music. So that was kind of what, Mm really spurred me on I think yeah it was that that moment that sort of brought everything into clarity I suppose and you went right I enough of this stuff that's right that's right yeah You've recorded a few albums. I was, I mean, I've listened to you on Spotify for a while, um, but I did a bit of research. Oh, thanks. Tell us about your albums that you've recorded. You've, you said you've composed for strings. I think that's what, in my mind anyway, makes your stuff so different and um, so beautiful that you combine your, vo- your vocals. It's like the strings aren't just there to, to fill in underneath the accompaniment. They actually have a special place. Thank you. That's a really lovely interpretation of it. Um, I, I studied cello as a kid at school. Um, I was lucky to go to a school that had a strings program and well, had a music program and you could choose an instrument and I chose um, cello. I actually initially chose double bass, but they didn't have enough um, school basses for me to borrow. So I, I got I got the cello, which from memory my dad was was happy about. Um but I was, I had a terrible cello and I didn't practice enough and it just wasn't really my instrument. So I never really able to, even though I played it for five years, I was never really able to get a beautiful sound out of it. So I ended up quitting cello in high school just to focus on, on singing. Um, but it's something, it's an instrument that I love. I love it so much that I decided not to play it anymore because it sounded so terrible. Out of respect and for the instrument. Out of, out of respect <laughs> for the instrument, just pure respect for cello. I'm not going to do it to you anymore, cello. Um, but I think having that experience of knowing what it can do and what it sh- could sound like, um, I, I was able to bring that to my, my songwriting. I remember my cello teacher when I was in um, high school, I said to her, oh, I really want to, like, um, plug the cello in and, and, and play like play it like maybe put it through an amp and then I could sing over the top of it and bless her she I think she must have been must be a very classically trained cellist and she played with the MSO and she just kind of looked at me and was like okay and I think that idea was quite foreign to her but also she's probably just thinking you could start by playing some scales and doing (laughs) the practice that I have given to you that you haven't done um anyway I digress yeah I I love working with strings because um I feel they're just so such an emotional instrument and they're very versatile um so I've I've always had um strings in my releases my first album um was very kind of was very folky and um orchestral kind of um based um I I had an old friend who I met in high school, actually, um, 
who's an incredible cellist. She's now a doctor of cello. Um, and she uh, was really mentored me when I started writing for strings. I'd say, Judy, her name's Judith Heyman, if in case you're in case any listeners want to look up, Judy, I wanted to, you know, how do you write this out? And and so she kind of got me started on it and got me hooked on it. Um, yeah. And then a, a little while ago, I made a, a record with a quartet that I work with a lot, the Andromeda String Quartet, which was really fun because we just did it live in the studio. So it was just, um, just string quartet and voice. Before we talk about your children, I want to talk about the amazing work that you're doing with the Motherload, um, the website and the Instagram, and I just commend you so much. Can you just share with the listeners about the Motherload, how it came about, you know, what compelled you to create the concept? First, I want to say thanks for your kind words about it. Um, it's, it's a relatively new project and it's funny when I connect with other mums through this project, Motherload, it's always astounding to me when they say, oh, we're, you know, we're really enjoying it or this is, this is a really great initiative because I think, oh, gosh, I have, I have huge imposter syndrome about launching it. You know, who am I? Who am I to create this space for mums? You know, what, what have I done? How, how am I, you know, this, you know, calm your farm, Georgia, get back in your box, but I'm glad I've started it. Um, yeah, so Motherload, is a, it's an online community that um, basically aims to support independent musicians who are mothers in their music making and their mothering, I guess, acknowledging that um, they're two enormous jobs in your life or roles or, you know, um, not labels, but they're parts of who you are and they're really their full-time part. Like you don't clock off being an artist. You don't clock off being a mum. They're just, they're, they're, that's part of who you are as a person and um, support is needed for both. I guess it was, I've been thinking about it for a while. I've been thinking about, you know, I just want to get together with my other musician mum friends and just have a big debrief on, so how are you doing this? And are you putting childcare in the grant budget? And how did you get a, how did you, um, you know, do this? And how, how do we do that? Um, but it was when really in the pandemic, um, in in 2020 that I thought this is getting ridiculous this is getting very challenging um, and you know we see, saw that a lot of the job losses you know across across all jobs we've seen that it's women bearing the brunt of that mm. um, and people have said it's likely because they're the ones that were already working part-time or they, they they've had to stop working so they can homeschool the kids we know that the music industry is been in crisis from the pandemic um so i guess just wanting to support mothers in the music industry to stay active to stay um supported to keep creating work because if we lose those voices we're going to lose you know those stories we're going to lose that that perspective that i think is really important and it's perspectives that i seek out now yeah it is a community. It's it's bringing people together. It's it's sharing ideas and just giving people the opportunity to share information that is going to help others. You know, it it, it builds on itself and yeah, it's wonderful. I, I hope it builds on itself. I I, I feel like we're really um, in early days. Um, we've got the Instagram channel, which is at Find the Motherload, and then the website, which I'm um, building up slowly. Um, I guess because it's just, as you would know, it's it's just me behind the scenes at night when the kids are in bed furiously on my laptop trying to, you know, work and get things done. But um, I've got a lot of dreams for, for the project and, and what it could mean. Um, but, yeah, we just got to start small, don't we? <laughs> it's always got to start somewhere. But the intention's there, and I'm so glad that you put aside your imposter syndrome that you named it. I'm so glad. <laughs> 
it is no, I haven't put it aside I'm just I'm just um you know just keeping it quiet for the time being no thank you I, I am trying to put it aside yeah yeah no good good on you So you mentioned your kids then. Um, tell us about your family. Yeah, I'm a mum to two kids. We live in Melbourne um, with my husband and my daughter, Kendra, who is six and a half, and my son, Marlon, who is two and a half. And we're in lockdown six million point, whatever it is, I've lost count. Um, but, yeah, we, we, we live in um, in the burbs here in Melbourne and um yeah, my husband's also a musician, so we're um, rich. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but we have a lot of keyboards. We have a lot of keyboards. We don't, you know, we don't have a TV, but we have a piano. So we've got our priorities in order or not order. Or, um, yeah, that, that, that basically sums up that's us. Yeah. So you met your husband through your music, like through performing, through your music? Yeah. Yeah, our bands were, I was singing a guest spot um, uh, at a night where his band was playing. So we did a, a collaboration together and then we did a life family collaboration. Ooh. <laughs> Aussie. Um, with, with a bit of, you know, getting to know each other in between. Yeah. Oh, do you find that because he has an insight into music can empathize with the space and the time that you need and when you need it because he's got that background in music definitely there's definitely an understanding of what the creative process is and and what it feels like to be um a creative person but there's also a lot of competition because we both want that space and there's children in the family that require our care and attention all the time because we're um, doing home learning. So um, we have very little respite at the moment. So I'd say that, that there's the positive of, yeah, you know, he gets it, but also we both are kind of scrounging for that time, um, which is a challenge, I think, with families, um, particularly families where there's two creative people. Mm. Yeah. So how, I mean, taking out the, the challenge right now of, of being in lockdown how would you generally manage your time then with the children it's changed over time so when we when um it depends really on what um the teaching arrangements are he he's teaching at the moment um i was teaching before i took maternity leave so um generally we just kind of try and split whatever spare days were left in the week um, where we weren't teaching um, but this it's been more challenging as I wasn't really able to return from maternity leave to teaching work um, because that was when the pandemic really started um, so that means that he's doing the majority of the teaching work um, so in, in general we try to split the time when the when we're not teaching but at the moment, he's working essentially full time. So we both are just working in the evenings on our creative projects if and when and how we want to do that, which is yeah, sure. pretty tiring. But, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then, yeah, you have the nights when the kids are awake and then you're up with children and then you've got to front up the next day again and it's just. Oh, yeah. You always catch up your tail. <laughs> You, you work till, you know, you work on something till 12.30 at night, 1 o'clock, and then your toddler wakes at 3 and then you've got to be up at 6.30 for whatever. Yeah. I'm pretty shocking. I always sleep in. But, um, but yeah, it's challenging, but, you know, we love it. And the, but that is something that I, that I struggle with is getting that balance because, and I was talking to my husband about this in the kitchen the other day, like I'm a much happier person when I'm, when I'm, got when I've got things on the go when I'm working on mother load when I'm trying to 
you know, putting sing loud or doing some recording, whatever it is, I'm much happier, but I've got to do that, you know, in the night and then I'm freaking exhausted and I'm not as happy. So it's like, how do you, yeah, just got to do it, I guess, um, week by week. Yeah. Catch up one week and then go hard the next week. I don't know. If anyone's got an answer, please, (laughs) please email in. Yeah. Send me a message. But you've got to take care of ourselves too. I mean. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the answer. It's a hard one, isn't it? Well, I've really noticed since because I I had, um, I was diagnosed with um, postnatal depression and anxiety after my um, son was born. He wasn't a great sleeper. um, Bless him. But now I've really noticed that, and I feel like I've I've received a lot of support for that, and I'm I'm kind of coming coming through that. Um, but I do notice now when I haven't had enough sleep, like you know, if I if I pull an all nighter to get some work done that I want to do, and then my kids wake, and then the next day I'm like, well, I actually I really notice that my anxiety is really high. So, um, yeah, it's just it is a funny dance. How do you, I've got to, I have to take care of that because I don't want it to kind of get away from me again. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I don't want to give up making music. So, but that, I think that is a very, that's something that's very specific to um, indie musicians who perhaps are supporting their creative practice with another job um, as opposed to um, musicians who, uh, you know, their songwriting and their performing pays their wage because mm. they, they're not, you know, having to work through the night. I don't know. I don't know. I've never been one of those, so <laughs> I don't know yet. Me neither. so hard to change Of all the fates I begged be rearranged Yeah, you I read that you're a big Beatles fan. Yeah. Which is awesome because I love the Beatles so much. Can you see my, you can see their legs. I I can. Yes, I can. I don't know if I'm as big a fan as my son is now. He is mad for it. That's wonderful. If I say to him, oh, you know, are you a tired boy? Or, you know, let me give you a cuddle, my little boy. I'm not a boy, I'm Ringo. (laughs) I'm mummy Ringo. And he's... Marlon Ringo, I don't know. It's very funny. He's yeah, he's plays he wants to play the drums and it's really cute. Oh, but yes, cool. I'm Beatles fan here. Beatles fan for sure. What's your favorite album? Oh, that's a good question. It used to be I mean it was it oh. was um Sergeant Purpose for a long time, but I feel like I kind of almost burnt myself out from it because that was like my favorite, you know, from yeah. from being a kid. Um Revolver is just like this really amazing. Um, almost like a coming of age, like you can hear Sergeant Pepper's just around the corner. Mm. But you know, all that kind of the close harmony boy group stuff is still really in there too. I find that's a really fascinating um, record. But yeah. they're all good. I mean, I, Revolver is my favorite. I tossed up for a long time between that and the White Album, but I went. Mm. I love Revolver so much. And I just love. Yeah, it's just building up. It's just getting like it's starting to wind up mm. to that the psychedelic crazy. Town. Yeah, I love that. I love and it. it's a high watermark for guitar sounds, isn't it? Like, oh, it, it, yeah. I love how they just did whatever they wanted. Like they just they had songs with the tempos changed, and then they had like the three songs joined together, and they just did literally anything they wanted. I was like, God, you guys were good. <laughs> like, and yes. in 10 years, it was only 10 years that they I were. I know. It just blows Such a mind. short amount of time. Yeah. Uh, but I feel as though it would have been, it, yeah, I mean, the talent, the talent, their individual talents, you know, were astounding. Mm-hmm. Together, some of their parts situation where, you know, there's a special kind of magic, um, having them all working together. But also mm-hmm. that imagine just being able to go into into the studio, like just imagine just just going in yeah. and not being like, 
watching the clock going shit like, how am I going to pay for this or like we've yeah. you know we've got to get this done because you know I've got to make sure I get this many streams or I don't know just imagine going in and being like cool what are we going to do today like oh that, that massive amount of freedom and people would have yeah. had that confidence in you like not, none of the record companies would have been worried about what was coming next like they would have just you know just let them go and see what they do yeah 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 unreal just unreal oh who's your favorite beetle I have to ask who your favorite beetle oh well it was Paul for a long time in fact like forever um but I feel I've really been coming around to George more. His his songs kind of used to scare me as a child. Yeah, right. He has this, had this kind. He has this kind of not aggressive, but there's something about his voice. It's it's almost spooky. It's he, some of his some of his songs used to spook me a bit as a kid. But um, but yeah, I'm coming around to George. But I'm um, look. I'll always really be a. a a fan of the way Paul approaches melody and mm-hmm. yeah, and his songwriting. Really. Yeah, I'm definitely more Paul than I am John. John, John scares me a bit in his. I think because I before I knew much about their lifestyles and their behaviours, I really liked John's music, and then mm. I sort of got turned off a bit when I discovered, like, I don't know if it's, things were true. More of the stories. Yeah, yeah, and this misogynist sort of attitudes and stuff, and I thought, I'm just going to stick with Paul's rock and roll. That's yeah, <laughs> I feel better I, about I can't, I really struggled to listen to um, Run For Your Life. Oh, you know yeah, song? yeah. I had to listen to the lyrics of it. And what was the other one I was listening to, um, which I love, No Reply, which is from oh, an older one record. I can't remember which one now. Is that from Please Please Me? No. Where he's like, I saw you walk in because I've seen, like, basically it's a, he's a stalking. He's a stalker. If you listen yeah. to lyrics, it's a stalker yeah. song. It's not, it's yeah. get, get the message. She's yeah. not into you. Yeah. She's not answering the phone because she yeah. doesn't like you. So um, just back actually, off. Th- that reminds me too. I was just thinking then when you said, um, da, 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 there's no time. Mm. In a- and it's like basically do it my way you gotta see it my way you know yeah it's mm-hmm. like yeah it's like do it my way because you're always wrong and if you we do yeah. it you way, gotta see it, it my way yeah you gotta see it my way yeah yeah it's unreal isn't it when you start thinking about it in that way like oh it gives you the creeps like mm. <laughs> anyway i sometimes wonder what it would be like to go if you were sent back in time and you could you could deliver all these songs like they were fresh. I don't know if I mean those songs are incredible songs, but they're very over time. And I yeah, don't know if you yeah. if you and you transported them to now, would they be successful? Yeah. I don't I, know. I, I, I agree. I don't. I think they actually because they defined the era that they were in because they mm. were groundbreaking in the time that they were in. But yeah, you take mm. out take them out and put them in today, and you just go, well, yeah, what's that like? You know, mm. it wouldn't make sense. No, but it wouldn't. It might not hit as hard. I don't know. Mm. No, we'll never know. Yep. Well, that's probably a good thing. Leave them mm. where they tomorrow, were. Tomorrow never knows. Tomorrow never knows. <laughs> Thank All you. Right. Yep. <laughs> With my guests, I love talking about two big, the two big things I love talking about, mum guilt and identity. Mm-hmm. So we go mm-hmm. the mum guilt rope first. Um, mm-hmm. How do you feel about, I put it in air quotes, the old mum guilt, because mm-hmm. um, I feel like it's a label that's been created by someone else. But those feelings of that that guilt, how, how do you, mm. you sort of process that? that? Even before I answer that, that, I've, that is a really interesting idea of how what could we call it instead yeah. of mum guilt? Because yeah. it is a thing that is natural, when you care about something, you want to make sure you're doing that job well. How can we relabel that? You know, is it um, is it a pull or is it being drawn back to? Um, I definitely, I definitely have mum guilt. Tend to have more mum guilt when I leave, like if I have to leave the house to do work, um, particularly if I 
go away on tour, which I haven't done heaps of. I did more of that when Kendra was little, but, you know, pandemic times, haven't really had the chance to abandon my son <laughs> and hit the road yet. Um, yeah, it's a funny one. I mean, it, sometimes it never really, never really seems to have a rhyme or reason for me. You know, there'll be times when I can be stand quite firm in my um, commitment to maintain a creative practice and a career and, and, and think, oh, you know, this is fine and Dad's got him and this is great for him and it's great for them and I'm not going to worry about this. And then there's other times, you know, oh, I shouldn't have spent so long at the milk bar, you know. I, I, it doesn't seem to have a rhyme or reason for me, but definitely experience it, yeah. Mm. Absolutely. And, that, yeah, I like that what you're saying about calling it something else because I feel like um, almost the like social media has created that term like a hashtag mum guilt like it's a, mm. it's a throwaway sort of comment for others but it's it, it doesn't serve mums well to be labelled in that way. Um, and sometimes is it guilt or sometimes is it just actually you know us questioning is it time to um bring the the is it the ledger back to be towards mm. more towards family or you know like I think um it is okay to question your involvement in in any kind of you know activity or or passion it's okay to say oh am I spending too much time at work or am I am I you know that that's okay um but whether you necessarily want to feel guilty about it mm. I don't know. Hmm. And I guess thinking about it now, like I haven't really thought, really investigated this and I'm glad you're asking me to, but just for my own self, but um, I suppose it requires you to approach, I guess it's worth acknowledging that you're not going to approach parenting with a, a clean slate. Like we all bring the wounds from our own childhood yeah. and the wounds from the way we were parented. Um, to our own parenting so um, that's something I guess that I I I find myself second guessing myself a bit Mm. on you know do I have a reason to feel guilty about this or is it is it okay Mm. Um, so I think yeah it's a challenging one because no one's going to approach it yet with a clean slate everyone's going to bring their own baggage to parenting and and that's going to inform how guilty you might be or might feel Mm. it's funny there's my friend's become a mother recently she's got a a son who's um well he must be like nearly 10 months now maybe um and we went on tour together we did a, a really big tour together when my daughter was maybe two three and I, that was the first time I'd left her and I had a lot of guilt about leaving her, about being far away. Um, and a lot of that was, you know, I can also, I could sense that there was a lot of baggage from my own childhood as well. Um, but she was always very active about saying, you know, you are setting a great example for her. You are showing her that you, there are things that in your life that you care about, you're showing her, you're being entrepreneurship and you know so she's really in my ear about that so I feel lucky to have a friend and a musician mother like her to really um help keep that in check and if anyone is interested her name is Fia P-H-I-A I think her Instagram handle is listen to Fia she's an amazing artist so she's worth checking out and if she's your friend like she's my friend she would tell you enjoy your music making Take that time off. Go on tour. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. So then leading into that, 
the concept of identity that, and I'm going to put this in air quotes again, because I, whenever I say it, I know it's not true. It's, is it important to you to, for you to be more than just a mum? And I know that's not mm. right because we're never just a mum. But mm. um, I think you sort of touched on it earlier when you say you don't clock off from being a mum, you don't clock off from being a musician or an artist. Um, how do you sort of retain your identity of, you know, you're still Georgia, you happen to have kids, but you've got all these other aspects of your life that are important as well? Mm. Makes sense. It, it's an it's an interesting question. I and I don't know if other guests say this, but it's, it's really interesting to have somebody ask you these specific questions because often, like I personally wouldn't think about this in such specifically personal terms until someone asked me a question like this. So thank you for the opportunity to, um, you know, do therapy in real time <laughs> on the podcast. When when my daughter was born, I had work. When I fell pregnant, I had work coming up I had been booked to write a film score and I'd started work on my second album so I was just like I'm just going to keep doing like I'm not going to stop I'm just going to keep doing these things and so I I had these things booked in I had to do them oh my god it was quite stressful at times because I was frightened of letting people down I didn't realize how sleep deprived I was going to be so there was like it was very challenging but because I had the work booked in it had to happen Contrasting that to the experience with my son, which is when I, I thought, look, I'm just going to take some time off. I'm not going to book anything in. I'm not going to stress myself out like I did the other time when I had all those commitments. I'm just going to have nothing in the future. And then, you know, when he's one or something, I'll just start on some things. But COVID said, no, you won't. So that was interesting because I approached motherhood with having no, no creative projects really happening and no identity as as being a musician in that way. And it was very um, shocking. It was very uh, challenging um, to consider that, that those parts of myself could be gone, that it might not come back, yeah. the opportunities might not be there, you know. Um, those relationships might be lost when you've got time away and you go back to book a gig and that person's not there anymore and they knew you and the other person's like, oh, who are you and how many people can you bring to the venue and you have to go through the whole thing of selling yourself again, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it's really, yeah, I, I think it is really important to, um, there's nothing wrong with being a full-time mother who doesn't work outside the house and, and is, is totally um, enthused and just fulfilled by that role if you wanted to be a executive or you know an artist or whatever it is if you want to do something outside of that it's okay too like I think it's really important to um like still live life on your own terms I guess mm. not feel like you you have to say no to things because fathers aren't saying no to things, let me tell you. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, but it's true. It's true. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, if you want to say no, if you think, oh, I'm just going to be too tired and I prefer to just spend the time with my kids, then great. But you should be free to make those decisions as oh. much as you can, I think. Yeah, because it is important, I feel, and from talking to other mums, that you still need to have you still you need to have that sense of self. You need to have something that you can do without your children. You know, mm. it's so I'm just a happier mother. I'm a better mother. Mm. I'm a happier mother when I'm when I'm making things. With your writing of your music, even your scoring, mm -hmm. have you found that that's changed at all since you became a mum, like the themes that you explore, that kind of thing? The themes in my writing have changed, definitely, yeah. I've, I've 
I want to say finished writing, but um, I haven't finished recording so the album, so maybe I haven't finished writing it either. Maybe there'll be some you know, new song that finds its way onto it. But I have a collection of songs. I have a new um, body of work that I'm, um, I've started recording. And, um, and it's, it's very much inspired by um, motherhood and, and relationships with my own mother and, um, and grief and, and, yeah, identity and belonging and home. And I don't think I would have explored those themes um, pre-children. I don't, I don't, pre-children my songs weren't all about love and breakups there's a you know number that were and a number that still are you know but um I don't think I would have been inspired to yeah explore those um really personal relationships family relationships um had I not um experienced that enlargening of your family you know Do your children, um, they they see what you're, maybe not the two and a half year old, but your your older daughter, she knows what you're doing. She knows that you're recording. She knows you're making music. Is she aware of that, your contribution to the world, I suppose? I, she hasn't seen any of my music videos, actually. I haven't showed her any of those. Um, but, she, yeah, she knows I play. She knows that... Um, most of, the, most of the time, well, my little one says, don't go to a gig, mummy, if he sees me putting lipstick on. He's like, are you doing a gig? Don't go. <laughs> um, sorry, son, slams door. No. Um, <laughs> they find you fun. I'm, I'm, I'm joking about it more because I think we've been so, um, you know, with the lockdown, everything's been so kind of home homebound, so I'm pretty keen to, to get out. So I do joke more about that now. But, um but yeah, no, she she knows. She knows that I sing and, and play and um I don't yeah, time will tell whether, you know, she's on the therapist's couch going, My mum was so selfish or you know, or whether she'll say, Oh, I was I was proud to see her do things. Maybe it'd be both, probably, I'm guessing. That's mm. isn't it? Maybe <laughs> it's a little little of both. It'd be really interesting. I wonder what how music compares with other art forms. Mm. Because I'm in pop right. music as well. I feel like, um, you know, there was that Triple J tweet, Fuel, oh. you know, about which I, I, when I read it, I was like, I don't know if that's really intended for musicians. Like I saw it and I was like, there must be something else behind that because that is just so insulting that I'm sure no one would be stupid, like no one at Triple J would be stupid enough to insult that many people, like mm. on purpose. But it was so like, wow, quite um, awful to read. Mm. But, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's explicit ageism in other art forms mm. where people aren't presenting themselves yeah you know as yeah. the work yeah but probably I know there is in dance I've got a friend who's a really successful ballet dancer yeah and you know there's this idea that once you get to a certain age and you like you are not going to be as flexible as a 22 year old you know if you if you're in your 50s you're just not going to have the same body but whether you know that can still be celebrated and still be yeah. you know a vehicle for emotion I mean how could it not be if you had a dancer with like 45 years of experience on stage mm. here's a 60 year old how could it not be incredible but yeah I do wonder like how as I'm getting older 
um, and I'm in a young person's industry. Mm. You shouldn't be. It's, I mean, it's not run by old young people. It's run by old people, yeah. <laughs> run by old men. But yeah, but um, yeah. Does is it the same for writers who who don't have to have their mm. faces on the on the work? Is it the same for um, visual artists, video artists? Uh-huh. As women age, are they more respected, or is there more pressure to have achieved things? And I oh, well, you're this age and you haven't achieved it yet. That's something that I'm would like to know more about so tell me your findings you should publish them um but yeah at first I thought that must be like a lyric for a song that I'm too old to like (laughs) get there must be a reason why that that happened and I think you know in the end I'm glad because I think it it allowed it gave people the confidence to call it out Mm. um and just yeah I mean a, a lot I am friends with musicians who are my age and um which is 21 um and no I've got to stop joking about that and be okay with it I'm 38 next week <laughs> um but that you know we've all had the thing where Triple J will say oh we we think you're it's not maybe quite right to be fair you know similar to you like I'm not sure that my music really is Triple J music but I know people mm. I know women who are making tri- Triple J type pop music yeah. Or being told, oh, we just think it's not right, like the right kind of thing for us. Let's move you on to the slightly older double J. Mm-hmm. But then I, I've got a couple of friends who are men who have no problem getting yeah. played. So I'm like, mm, I don't know. I don't know. Is it a coincidence? Yeah, see, I, I thought when the backlash came out, it was certainly I noticed more women um, reacting to that quote. Um, mm. Men were some men were supportive, but by and large, I for the people that I follow at least, that the the women were the ones going. Hang on a second, like, yeah, I don't know it. Really, mm. It does it troubles me. And then uh, some of the comments. There was a, a really interesting tweet in reply that if you want trip, uh, Double J to be taken seriously, you know, create the same sort of exciting opportunities on double j that mm. you give people on triple j so you know revamp that mm. to make it something that people aren't like oh great now i'm on double j doesn't you feel know? like yeah doesn't yeah. feel like you're being palmed, palmed off to a lesser you know and i do mm. think that that hopefully that will that will grow mm. um yeah there was an artist jack colwell who was talking about that um he's a out and proud um gay man and a singer songwriter beautiful singer songwriter and had a lot of um wonderful success and to supporting Sarah Blasco and his recent albums received a lot of success. But he was saying that you know, similarly it's the ageism thing is is compounded by if you're a woman, if you're non-binary, if you're gay, if you're um, from a diverse cultural background, if you're First Nations. So mm. um, and his experience was very much that, you know, you don't, once you're of an age, you get, asked to you know why don't you send it on to double j but double j don't have the like aversion they don't it's not mm. you can't tune in in your car it's digital radio so it's yeah, yeah it's, it's imitation yeah yeah hopefully that 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 i think i just think it would be better if there was more australian you know national radio like if double j gets up to be more of a just a different triple j that'd be fantastic Mm, absolutely. But someone else made the point that Double J, uh, Triple J, really rose to cultural um, fame or importance uh, before the internet. Well, that's how it was for me. You know, we'd listen to, you know, oh, train, yeah, I'd sure. listen with my cassette player, ready to hit record when I hear the song that I like because there was no Spotify. Yeah, recorded on tape. So yeah, I'm really old. But <laughs> now that there's the internet, we can all hear about whatever music we want. You know, I still think there's a place for radio. I think radio is a really powerful oh. way to connect with people and share music. But yeah. it is like maybe they're not the cultural gatekeepers that Absolutely. they think or we think they are because there's the, the thing called the, the internet that the kids are talking about. <laughs> this, this amazing thing. <laughs> Horizon 
I guess it's hard to ask you when you're in lockdown what, what you've got coming up. Um. Oh, that's sweet of you to be so. Thanks for, thanks for being sensitive enough to kind of say that. Oh. You know, I've been on radio before. What have you got coming up? And you're like, don't ask me that. Yeah. I'm a kid. But nothing coming up. No. Um, <laughs> thank you for asking and thank you for putting that beautiful um, little disclaimer on there about lockdown and um, the challenges that we're facing with being able to create new works. Um, Really, the main thing I'm focusing on at the moment is building up Motherload. It's been something that I find really, I didn't think that it would ever be something that excited me um, about building as, as I've been excited about um, creating songs and writing songs and sharing them with the world and building that sort of the Georgia Fields project. I feel really just as excited by Motherload at the moment. So um, almost sometimes I have to remind myself, hey, you know, have you, done any Georgia Fields work have you worked on your songs because I've just been very excited about starting that off um but I do have some songs written and I'm in the I'm basically I'm trying to get it funded so I'm I'm saving money I'm doing the grants I'm doing all the things so that's um taking up a lot of energy um but I've decided that I'm just going to keep trying to record the songs I've got a single coming out soon where where I um, worked with a with the producer for the album which you know I'm really excited about sharing because we went into a lovely studio and it you know I sang it in the lovely studio and he's mixed it and it sounds lovely and and you know I can't wait to share that if I can't get funding together um you know it might be more of a lo-fi project but I feel I won't it'll I will and this is another conversation for another day maybe on creativity and and and, and motherhood but I feel that until I've kind of recorded these songs, it's very challenging to write other ones. I don't know if you're like that. Like I'm, I'm very yeah. much like I need to record these songs now. I need to yeah. share them. It's like, and then I can to... close the chapter, and yeah. then I can, yeah. So I think I have to record them. So they will come out at some point, <laughs> in some way. Yeah, no, with varying I'm... sounds of maybe some of them are going to have my kids in the background. I don't know. <laughs> I could send my two over to do some Nerf guns for you, a bit of percussion. Yeah, just to help you kind of really concentrate, really get in the zone. I feel, I do feel, I heard that smart. I feel like though now, like I've done shows where something's, you know, distracting or, and it's like nothing is, is prepares you for that stagecraft focus and that when you're trying to practice and you've got kids running around the lounge room, like it's just such good training. Mum, mum, mum. Thank you yeah, for the thank chat. Thank you so much. It's been lovely and, to um, meet you at all. Yeah, I look forward to seeing how it all goes. Likewise. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, please contact me at the link in the bio or send me an email at alisonnewman.net.